right now on Matter of Fact, an all too common story of a young life ending in suicide. Daniel couldn't explain what he was going through. He never thought anybody would understand. The heartbreak turning a father into an advocate for mental health. I'm trying to get people to understand what Daniel went through and what one in five people are gonna go through. Meet the man on a mission to prevent families from unimaginable loss. Plus, what are the signals to a parent that it's not just anxiety? Yes. A leading child psychiatrist on how to help your child cope with anxiety and depression. And the little known story of a bitter tragedy on the South Carolina coast. I didn't learn something like this, something that predates the Civil War by over 100 years. Gave rise to a resilient and glorious sound. See history brought to life on stage in Drumfolk. I'm Soledad O'Brien, welcome to Matter of Fact. Too many families are living in the shadow of a child's suicide, devastated by gut-wrenching loss. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among young people and the second leading cause of death among college students. 10 years ago, Jeff Olson lost his son, Daniel, a 19-year-old college freshman, to suicide. Over the past decade, Jeff's shock has turned into resolve. The high school football coach is on a mission to talk with other young people about mental health. Our correspondent, Jessica Gomez, traveled to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, where she met this dad on a mission, trying to prevent another family's pain. I never thought this would be something that I would be doing, but it evolved and, it, and it's something that needs to be out there. It's almost like going and coaching a game. It's go time, it's time to be at your best. Jeff Olson, a high school teacher and former football coach. As he often does, Olson is taking the day off of teaching to visit another high school, this one more than an hour from home. I really believe this has allowed me to have a platform to explain what my son and what so many people are, are going through. Olson calls his son Daniel an all-American kind of kid with lots of friends and gifted athletically. Danny Olson, a great dual-threat quarterback, can run and pass. He's really the leader. He was an all-state quarterback who took his small-town football team with his dad at the helm to the state championship his senior year. But few knew inside Daniel was suffering from anxiety and depression. His family later found out the symptoms started in sixth grade. He actually wrote a paper when he was a senior in high school that that's when he felt it started. But he did what so many other people do. He fought it on his own in silence for five years until the spring of his junior year. He came to us, it was a track meet, and he just broke down and he said, I need help. Despite medication and therapy, all of which Olson says his family kept quiet, halfway through Daniel's freshman year in college where he was playing football, he had to drop out. Months later, Daniel took his own life. And I remember this, clear as day. Two days after he passed away, sitting in a funeral home, are we going to tell people? This time the answer was absolutely are we going to tell people? Absolutely are we going to speak up? If this was so out in the open, if people understood how common this illness is and they knew the words to say, what if he would have got help 
right then and we would have continued that help. He would have known the symptoms, he wouldn't have felt alone. He would have accepted counseling more because everybody does it who has this illness. But here in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, it hasn't always been an easy conversation. I've had many kids come to me and say, Coach, I need help, but my parents don't understand. They don't think this is real. They don't let me get help. Superintendent of Brighting Township School District, David Holmes. Tough, gritty, manufacturing type families that deal with difficult situations and work hard and just expect that people work through challenges. And we're trying to open the gateway for students and families to ask for help when need be. It's not an easy thing right now to manage the workload. But Kingsford High School counselor Kendallin Sutton says she is now seeing a shift. It seems like that stigma that may have existed prior to the pandemic has been lightened a little bit. I, I can't say that it's gone, uh, but it has opened the conversations. When doors are closed and people go home, that's when the bricks fall, I guess. Showing a documentary about his son's story, Olson's goal to reach kids as early as middle school, helping them understand what they may be feeling and how to ask for help. And that way people understand and have more compassion. If you have to miss a practice, if you have to miss a day of school to get help. Olson's message resonating here now. That people can say, you know, I suffer from depression, but that doesn't make me a crazy person. I suffer from anxiety, but I can still manage everyday life. You don't know who is going through that and at what moment they are going through something. So if you're always nice to people, always reaching out to people, that could really help someone that really needs help in that moment. Thank you guys for being such a great audience. Hopefully you learned something today. Thank you. When you know you're able to impact some of these kids you're speaking to, what goes through your mind? I always realize that maybe Daniel didn't die in vain. You know, he's doing good work right now um, through us. Work, he hopes, is life-saving for someone else's child. I always have a good feeling when I leave that there's a good chance I've helped people. I mean, it's, it's healing. In Dickinson County, Michigan, for matter of fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. When we come back, I'll speak with a child psychiatrist about how families can talk to their kids about mental health. Next on Matter of Fact, a look at the mental health challenges troubling many teens. Much of it they identified as school stress and more social pressures. And um, this, this feeling that they weren't going to be successful. What families can do to reduce the stress on our kids. And later, how climate change is preventing you from getting a good night's rest. America's children are anxious and depressed. In fact, as many as 30% suffer with anxiety that interferes with their day-to-day -day functioning. Last month, a panel of national health experts recommended anxiety screenings for children between the ages of eight and 18 years old. And recent violence is leaving children and parents looking for help. Dr. Tammy Benton is psychiatrist in chief at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Dr. Benton, thank you for talking with me. Why is it that we're seeing nationally suicide rates go up among children and teenagers? 
it started before this pandemic that we were seeing higher rates, and they appear to have accelerated in terms of how many young people are presenting in, the, in crisis seeking care for suicide attempts. But we were actually starting to see um, significant increases in the amount of stress that young people were experiencing prior to the pandemic. Much of it they identified as school stress and more social pressures. And um, this, this feeling that they weren't going to be successful. During the pandemic, um, young people experienced more social isolation, disruption, and then so much of how young people handled the pandemic had to do with what was happening in their environment, so what was happening at home. If their parents lost their jobs or were experiencing more stress, or they had family members that were hospitalized or who went to the hospital and never came home, those kids experienced significantly more stress. Can you talk about some of the numbers? We know it's increasing overall, but if we were to look at subcategories. But when we look at the rates of increase, they've been higher for all ethnic groups. We also recognize prior to the pandemic, and this has held, that youth who identifies having more than one minority status, being a sexual minority or ethnic racial minority, were at significantly increased risk. How do you know as a parent, like what's standard anxiety, manageable anxiety, and anxiety that is, is, is problematic? Anxiety in itself is not a bad thing. Um, when we start to become concerned about it is when we see impairment and change in functioning. So if you pre if your anxious child or your slightly anxious child was previously doing well, but the anxiety starts to interfere with social relationships, academic performance, other activities, um, you become concerned about significant changes in behaviors. Unfortunately, anxiety is easily treatable. There's so many preventive things that we can do around anxiety management, like teaching our kids to meditate or relax or to play or to identify feelings of anxiety and find ways to distract themselves, refocus, relax. And I frequently ask parents if they're concerned start a conversation with your pediatrician or your primary care provider. And they can tell you whether the anxiety you're experiencing is something that you should be concerned about. What's the role of social media in all of this? It can definitely exacerbate um, mental health conditions or actually trigger them when they didn't exist before. Online bullying, um, targeting people, um, harassment, those kinds of things, of course, can really contribute to harming your mental health. But some of the other factors that are relevant in social media use just has to do with the amount of time that young people are engaged in social media. And it's disruptive to sleep, it's disruptive to nutrition, it's disruptive to other social interactions. You look at the Buffalo shooting, you look at the, the more recent school shooting happening in Texas. You know, these are things that I think are filling young people with a sense of hopelessness. What advice do you have for them? It's important that we talk to children about what has happened. How can we support each other? How can we talk about it in an honest way without getting into too many details and reassuring kids that we will do our best to protect them and that we will continue to work to protect ourselves. Dr. Tammy Benton is psychiatrist-in-chief at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Thank you for talking with us, Dr. Benton. I truly appreciate it. If you or someone you know needs help, Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or text the word HOME to 741741 or visit the website speakingofsuicide.com slash resources. Coming up, imagine a time and place where the drum was considered a weapon. 
The drum? The drum. Was made illegal? A look at the stage production, bringing a little-known piece of history to life. Welcome back to Matter of Fact. A little-known piece of history is coming to life on stage. The Stono Rebellion of 1739 in South Carolina was one of the largest slave revolts in our nation. An estimated 35 to 50 slaves were killed. That bitter tragedy gave rise to a resilient and glorious sound that can still be heard in modern music today. That story's being told as part of a touring production called Drumfolk. Here's our special correspondent, Joey Chen, with a preview. Deep in the marsh grass, you can almost hear it. Here, where the Stono River runs down to the Edisto, is where a group of Africans, enslaved by British colonists, fought for their freedom. In the largest uprising of colonial times, the Stono Rebellion of 1739. The Stono Rebellion was not the biggest rebellion. It may not have been the first no. of enslaved people, no. of enslaved Africans. Yes. But you're arguing that it really changed America. Yeah, I will say it really did change America. So to me, the Stono Rebellion is an amazing piece of uh, history in terms of Africans fighting against the institution, of, the institution of slavery. Now, nearly three centuries later, what happened at Stono serves as inspiration for Brian Williams' new production, Drum Folk, and in every move of the dance company he founded, Step Africa. We visited the company in rehearsal and met two artists for whom the work touches close to home. Dustin Prelo plays the lead, Jemmy. It's about where I'm from. Being from there, I really feel a sense of responsibility just to um, portray the um, scenarios in the, the right light. He and company dancer Jonathan McClinton-Smith are native South Carolinians and may even have had ancestors in the Lowcountry when the Stono Rebellion took place. But it's a history they didn't learn about in school. You learn talking points or you learn a very whitewashed and happy version of history, but I didn't learn something like this, something that predates the Civil War by over 100 years. The short version. Jemmy, an enslaved African, led others in a failed attempt to reach freedom in Spanish-held Florida. In the aftermath of their courageous bid for freedom, and directly because of it, came a draconian clampdown, the Negro Act of 1740. What did that Negro Act of 1740 prohibit? Africans could no longer learn to read. They could no longer learn to write. They could not wear clothing above their stature and Africans lost the right to use the drum. The drum was made an, uh, an illegal weapon, if you will. The drum? The drum. Was made illegal? Made illegal. Silenced in an effort to keep the Africans from communicating and organizing. Just imagine how devastating it was to lose their social network. So if you were to take phones or Facebook or any social media platform away from the masses, people would be at a pause. They wouldn't know what to do, similar to the way that the drums were taken away. They had to regroup and figure out something else. That something else was a way to keep the beat alive, using their own bodies as instruments. So these are one of the first workings of this inward percussive element. And so you'll they see- They took the drums away. Right, they took them away, but we still found ways to put them inside of everything we did as well. The beat? Yes, yes. <laughs>
The beat never stopped. It pulsed through the ring shout, first performed in black churches of the Sea Islands, later to the Hambone and the Juba. It's echoed in tap dancing, even in today's beatboxing. And in the precision of stepping, the percussive dance tradition of historically black fraternities and sororities. To these artists, the Stoner Rebellion and the colonists' fierce retribution marked the moment when the enslaved Africans created a new culture in America. It laid the foundation of what would become African Americans and African American culture. And the foundation of a legacy that steps forward to this day. For matter of fact, I'm Joey Chen in Bethesda, Maryland. Ahead on Matter of Fact. Tossing and turning? Trouble getting to sleep? Americans are sleeping less than they were just 13 years ago. What's causing so many people to hit snooze? To stay up to date with Matter of Fact, sign up for our newsletter at matteroffact.tv. Americans are sleeping less than they were just 13 years ago, averaging less than six hours a night. Now, most experts blame that sleep loss on technology, but a new global study reveals another factor, climate change. That research is based on 10 billion sleep observations from 47,000 people in 68 countries. Researchers found the warmer weather makes it harder to fall asleep. Climbing temperatures have already erased 45 hours of sleep per person each year. That's about 10 to 11 nights of poor sleep every year. By 2099, that number could rise to 50 hours of sleep lost or 13 days of shortened sleep. Not everyone feels the effects the same way. Women, the elderly, and people in low-income communities are impacted the most. Researchers are still trying to pinpoint exactly why, but they say limited access to air conditioning could be a factor. Next, the signs may have come down and the paint is gone, but we say, let's keep the conversation going. What's ahead for the movement sparked by police brutality protests in 2020? Finally today, it's been two years since the murder of George Floyd. Within days of his death, we shared a look at the protests and the cries for justice from around the world. In that moment, we decided to expand our conversations on race and social justice with a series called The Matter of Fact Listening Tour. We started with the hard truth about bias and its impact on our everyday lives. Then we looked at what it means to be an American, how identity, race, and justice shape our sense of belonging. A few months ago, we looked at progress being made in what we called promises of change. And now we're focusing on trailblazers, troublemakers, and dreams with people both well-known and unknown who decided to confront an injustice even when facing a seemingly impossible obstacle. So join us for the Matter of Fact Listening Tour, Trailblazers, Troublemakers, and Dreams, June 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern, live streamed on matteroffact.tv. Let's keep the conversation going. That's it for this edition of Matter of Fact. I'm Soledad O'Brien. I'll see you back here next week. Listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on your favorite podcast provider. Watch us during the week on FYI, Pluto, and YouTube.